Good afternoon and welcome to Looking Up here on Faith FM. You are listening to the afternoon show, which we've called Looking Up. It's uh, great to have you with us uh, as listeners. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Peter Watts, your host, and uh, I'm being joined today by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Danny Melenkov. How are you, Danny? I'm praising the Lord, Peter, and um, yeah, just glad to be here on on looking up for another week. Yeah, thank you, uh, Danny, for joining us again. We uh, enjoy these uh, afternoon shows, and we hope that you enjoy them just as much as we do. Now, uh, we have uh, been presenting, we, if you're tuning in for the first time, and you're wondering what looking up is really all about, um, we're, we're drawing on a uh, Bible verse where uh, Jesus talks about in the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 28, where he says, when you begin to see these things, look up because your redemption draws near. Now, what are these things? He's talking about some of the signs of our times. And this series, Looking Up, is really talking about um, the current situation on planet Earth with the pandemic. And does the pandemic have anything to do with Bible prophecy? Is it telling us anything about where the world is headed? And uh, we're saying, yes, it does. It's one of one of the signs of the times that Jesus spoke about, and we've talked about this in a number of shows already. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to be looking at a series of messages in the book of Revelation. We're going to start a new sort of segment, really, today, Danny, where we're going to look at a series of messages called the Three Angels' Message. We're going to get into that. Why are they important? Why should we bother studying them? What significance do they have? And um, how, does, how do current events play into that. We're going to have a look at a couple of news items um, soon this afternoon as well. But if you want to get in touch with us, maybe you have a comment or a question that you would like made or you'd like put to us. And uh, we want to encourage you, you can call in on 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text on 0491 064 Six six nine. Now, some of the uh, the previous, in fact, I think all of the previous episodes that we've done so far, you could find at the website, which is faithfm.com.au. Look for the podcast tab, and then look for the show "Looking Up," and you'll find our previous episodes. And we've done episodes on the health implications of the pandemic. We've done shows on the the signs of the times implications and the financial implications, and you'll find a lot of material there. So check out some of that. We're going to go to some music, and then we're going to come back and uh, chat with you a little bit more about what's been happening in the news. So we're going to be uh, looking, listening to Christian Lennox, Come Let Us Sing.
to Kristen Lennox, Come Let Us Sing, um, and welcome back to Faith FM. In the, in the afternoon on a Wednesday, it must be looking up. So uh, welcome back to our listeners, and thank you for tuning in. Now, Danny, how have you been this week? What's been happening? Oh, well, um, like I said, I've been praising the Lord. I praise the Lord every day, as the Bible says. The Lord is always good and always worthy of praise. So when people ask me how you're doing, that's what I share with them. And this week... Uh, this week has been a, a reasonably normal week, I guess. Now, um, you know, we're kind of a normal week in an abnormal world. Yeah, a normal week, a normal COVID week, you could say. Uh, where I guess we've all sort of started, you know, new routines, and I'm into my COVID routine. So it's been going along reasonably well. Um, I guess probably the the one big highlight is I started um, a Bible study with a young man. And uh, that's, that's really exciting. So if you're listening, Luke, um, yeah, big shout out to you, brother. Um, and it's so good to be able to study the Bible with young people who are keen and interested and um, you know, wanting, wanting for God to be front and center in their lives. And so, yeah, that was really exciting. It's always an exciting journey, and you could probably relate to that when you're beginning, yeah. you know, Bible studies with um, with someone. Yeah, I had a, I, I've made a new friend. In fact, um, if Brad, if you're listening out there, uh, I've been doing Bible studies with Brad for the last four months, or maybe more, probably. And um, and Brad's actually made a decision to be baptized, oh, which is terrific. The Lord. And this is what it's about. Um, this is really it's about people uh, discovering more about God, um, and then seeing, you know, how that, uh, how the Lord impacts their lives and changes their lives and leads in their lives until the point when they want to commit their lives to Christ. Mm. And so, um, you know, that's what the gospel is all about. We're going to be looking up a verse where Jesus talks about to his disciples just before he ascended back to heaven. He said, go into all the world, make disciples and baptize them. 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So uh, this is what uh, Jesus intended his disciples to be doing, and I think it's terrific. Um, you know, just four, four or five months ago, I'd never met this person. Mm. Now they're a good friend. They're going to become a, a, you know, a brother in Christ, and uh, I think that's terrific. And I think uh, it, it's just so wonderful to see people uh, making that decision because I have discovered in my life and um, in talking to so many other people that when you have Christ uh, front and centre in your life, uh, you, you, you have everything that you need in order to navigate through this life and there's, and there's obviously the life to come. So it's, it's just wonderful uh, to, to, to see people experiencing you know, the joy and the happiness and the abundant life that Jesus promised to give to those who are willing to taste and see. That well, the that, Lord is good. Well, that's true, and we've both experienced that, Danny. And, and you know, we're you know, to some people who are listening, um, tuning in, they might think, yeah, what, what's this? You know, all this uh, religious nonsense, uh, or what have you? I can assure you that uh, Danny and I have, um, you know, our lives weren't always like this. You know, and I think that we've both sort of lived life apart from the Lord, and uh, we can see that the difference that it makes uh, in our lives. One of the things you mentioned was navigate. Um, which I've often used that, you know, the Bible to me is, is like a map uh, that helps me navigate through this world because the world's a dangerous place. You know, we've discovered that the world is a dangerous place. It doesn't take you too long to live on planet Earth to, to discover mm. it's a, a dangerous place. That's right. And uh, what, what God does through the Bible, he says, I know where you live. I know you live in a dangerous place, but I'm going to help you navigate mm. through that, uh, that life and prepare for the next. And the good news about um, giving God the keys and allowing him to be in the driver's seat is that you, no matter what's going on around you, you can always have certainty because there is complete certainty to be found in God and his word and his plans for you and ultimately the eternal future that he has for each and every person. And, you know, we don't need to be reminded of how uncertain our world is. Um, the last number of months, that's become clearly evident. And, you know, we were talking earlier before the program started, some of the things that have been happening this week. And last week I shared uh, with our listeners the exponential growth in um, COVID cases from the first six months to the last six yeah, weeks. Yeah, I remember you, know, you talking about that. 10 million in the first six months um, since, since, since it all began and then in 10 million in the last six weeks. I, I, had a, I came across... A, a news article related to the Australian stats on on how many people have died, and as as we are continually reminded, and as we as we well know, that one death is one death too many, and yeah. it was never part of God's plan for even one person to die. But in the first 78 days from March 1, when the first person died of COVID here in Australia, um, yeah, it took 78 days from March 1 to reach 100 deaths in Australia. Mm. And it took seven days to reach the last 100. Yeah. So that just shows you how, how things can change. Yeah, and, how, prevalent, um, how prevalent it's yeah, become. I think one of, the, you know, one of the more surprising things is what's happened in New Zealand in the last uh, week or so where yeah. you've had the re-emergence um, of the virus in New Zealand when they thought that it eradicated it. And, so, and even now, I was looking at a news headline today saying they're still not quite sure where it's come from. They're not certain. They've been eliminating. Uh, well, they've in, delayed their election for a month. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, to try and get on top of it. So it's a fascinating world to live in, and I believe that you know, this is the time for us to be preparing spiritually. You know, we can 
try and prepare financially and we can try and prepare uh, from from a health protection uh, perspective, wearing masks and all of those things that are, are being recommended. But uh, I also just think how important it is to be preparing spiritually because Jesus is coming. Mm. Jesus is going to come soon. We uh, One of our, my favorite verses is in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And mm. we talked about that navigating through this world and, and it, God can direct us. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your mm. paths. You talked about, you know, we're seeking to protect ourselves and masks and um, sanitizers and social distancing and so on and so forth. All of which we um, recommend. All of which we recommend. <laughs> Our Prime Minister just today, um, I saw on the news, he, he he's quietly confident that a vaccine that's been uh, trialled over there in, in your part of the world, in the UK, I understand Oxford University um, or the Oxford team that um, are working on it and he, he suggested that yeah all Australians um, will be required to take on board this vaccine. It'll be mandatory mm. unless you have a medical condition that prohibits you from yeah. taking on board the vaccine. So that's about 95% of the Australian population. And so that's well, where I'm going with that, Peter, is that, you know, that, that, you know ever, since, ever since COVID really took off, and, um, and created bedlam around the world, there has been this hope, this looking forward to this vaccine. Mm. And nothing wrong with that. I'm looking forward to the vaccine. Sure. I, I want us to get back to some kind of normality. But when I think of that, I can't help but think of, of the biblical vaccine, which is obviously Jesus Christ, his sacrifice and his second coming. That's the ultimate vaccine that's going to put an end to all the sin and all the suffering. Otherwise, COVID will come and go. Yeah. But something else will come on the horizon and people are going to continue to get it's sick a, and die and it's going to continue to be you know, sadness and sorrow in the world. It's such an obvious uh, comparison, isn't it? The, the, the pandemic that the globe now has and the race to try and find the solution. Mm. And, of course, from a spiritual point of view, this has been the case for thousands of years. We've had this pandemic of sin mm. in the world, uh, which is a pandemic of selfishness, and uh, Jesus is the only solution. And he, he is available. Amen. Yeah. There's no shortage, no shortage. of uh, a solution. And it's free. And it's free. <laughs> and it's free. And you can so, get it right away. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the side effects are out of this world. Amen. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was one interesting news story. Uh, there was another thing that I picked up on, and I mentioned to the, this to you last week, but um, it's kind of uh, come up in two news stories. And that was that a couple of weeks ago there was a story about in the UK, a Christian ministry um, had had its bank account shut down and its social media uh, accounts shut down uh, or cancelled uh, because it promoted something called conversion therapy. Now, I am not certain or sure of their actual practice. Mm. And uh, so, you know, you'd have to be careful because you don't want to endorse or promote uh, every practice of every group in all the world because you just don't know whether they're legitimate or not. But uh, this group had had its accounts uh, shut down because of lobbying by uh, an LGBT um, group um, because they had been practicing what was called conversion therapy, and that is using therapy to try to convert people who may be living an LGBT lifestyle to convert them back to a straight lifestyle, or a biblically, uh, uh, sort of a, a biblical lifestyle. Well, yeah, we could probably say that. Now, I don't know. 
what practices they were attempting to use. I have no idea what they were uh, attempting to use. But I did make um, note of the fact that when you talk about conversion, obviously conversion is a biblical thing, but when you talk about conversion therapy, in a way, uh, in the last 60 years in the Western world, the Western culture of which we are part, uh, in the last 60 years, I guess we've had a kind of conversion therapy through mass media. We have. You know, you go back to the mid-1950s where television sets started to appear in homes. Um, and through the mass media, uh, you've had the promotion of certain uh, values, I suppose, that have served to change, I think, the culture that we live in. If you think about the culture of the Western world shortly after World War II, and the culture of the world today, uh, it's, it's quite different. There's been a shift. Huge shift. In terms of moral values and so forth. And, uh, you know, you could easily call that conversion therapy. Well, it um, has been because um, our world is very different to what it was pre-World War II. Right. So, so we, we mentioned, I just mentioned this story a couple of weeks ago from the UK. Well, last week, uh, Queensland became the first state to ban conversion therapy in Queensland, yeah, first um, in Australia. which is you know quite interesting, and so uh, obviously, uh, I was once not a Christian, but I underwent a conversion and became a Christian. Right now, of course, we would want to emphasise that all of this has to be voluntary. Right, you can't force anybody to do anything that they don't want. But here's the thought as well: is you know. Uh, If somebody was struggling with something in their life and they wanted help, then, of course, as Christians, you would want to help them. I mean, that stands to reason. And so, uh, again, I'm not sure what the practices were uh, being promoted, but I thought that that was uh, an interesting news story because I think that it's kind of... We don't want anybody trying to convert people from this lifestyle, you know, maybe from lifestyle A to lifestyle B... But it's okay to maybe attempt to convert somebody from lifestyle B to lifestyle A. And so I think that, you know, we want to be uh, even-handed in the way that we talk about those things. Mm. And uh, God has always, and we've, we've shared this over and over again, God is um, in the business of offering people the freedom to choose uh, based on conscience, based on the free will. Whereas Satan is, is, is one who seeks to coerce seeks to manipulate, seeks to deceive, whereas God doesn't use those tactics. So yeah. conversion therapy uh, is, is, is in line with Scripture as long as those uh, godly principles are followed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But even so, that often is not seen in a very positive way. Yeah, I think a lot has, has to do with what, um, what people mean when they describe mm. conversion therapy. I was just reading a verse um, here in Psalm 51 verse 13. And this is an interesting uh, passage because this is about David recognising his sin. David saw a woman from, uh, from his palace. He looked down, he saw a woman bathing and uh, he um, had her brought to him and he committed adultery. He then had uh, her husband murdered and David's finally brought to account. God knows what has occurred. He brings him to account and David repentant and one of his... Uh, passages here in, in Psalm fifty one thirteen it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. He's saying, you know, when I'm you know, when I've come back to God, when I'm filled with the Spirit again, uh, then that's what's gonna happen mm. is uh, sinners shall be converted to you. So 
Just go. thought I would share that. Um, one other thing I was just going to mention was, uh, you know, the hottest day on record was recorded in Death Valley, a place called Furnace Creek, appropriately named, and that was last Sunday. In California. And, uh, in, uh, yeah, that's where it is. Is Death it Death Valley? Valley? Yeah, is it in California? California? Yeah, it's in California. Okay. I thought it was one in the other states. But anyway, 130 degrees Fahrenheit, Danny, which is 54 degrees centigrade. Point a four. very hot day. You could boil an egg. <laughs> Well, maybe, sort of. All right, we're going to take a, a break in a moment. What we're going to do is we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a passage in the book of Revelation called the Three Angels' Messages. We're going to unpack that. What is it all about? Why is it important? We're going to come back and we're going to start talking about that after this break. We're going to listen to The Lower Lights, and this song's called The Seeker. I am seeker, you are keeper, you are Show me the way I am a seeker, a poor sinful creature. There is no weaker than I am. I am a seeker, and you are a teacher, you are a reacher, so reach down. Reach down. Each day 
Welcome back to Faith FM and the afternoon show. Looking up with me, Peter Watts, your host, and my co-host and good friend, Danny Malenkov. Welcome back, Danny, and welcome to our listeners once again. Now, in this part of the program, we're going to get into our study proper, and this week, we're going to be looking at the beginnings of the three angels' messages. Now, there's a lot of material in the three angels' messages, and we're not going to cover it all in one week, Um, but this is a passage of Scripture in Revelation 14, in the heart of the book of Revelation. And uh, there's some material in the book of Revelation that kind of leads up to this, Danny, and you were talking to me a little bit in the break about that. Yeah, there is. And um, just to give our listeners uh, an overall uh, view of the book of Revelation, it's an incredible book, and I know you enjoy it as much as I do, Peter. And um, the the more we study it, the more we find amazing pearls and gems and just just beauties in this wonderful book. It's the last book of the Bible. Um, And as the title suggests, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, it reveals who he is. It reveals his plans for the world and in particular those who are living at the end of time. So if I could just really sum up and yeah, we don't have time to, to look at the mechanics of the book, but just to simply sum up, um, there's a few important points to understand when it comes to the book of Revelation. Firstly, the first half of the book. Uh, There are 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. So the first half, that's the first 11 11 chapters. chapters. The first 11 chapters predominantly are focused on events from the days of Jesus or the early church all the way to the time of the end. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the first half of the book. Then the second half of the book from chapter 12. Let me just maybe mention before you get into chapter 12. In those first 11 chapters, you've got three cycles of history. That's right. Uh, the seven churches, the seven seals, and the seven trumpets, and they deal with uh, the same period of time, essentially, from the first century when Jesus uh, began the Christian church through to the end time. So there's sort of three cycles of history uh, that re- with this practice of repeat and enlarge that we've been talking about, and then you come to Revelation 12. That's right. So, And, um, and those three cycles, they, they go from the beginning of the Christian era all the way to the second coming of Jesus. So that's, that's those three um, phases that Peter spoke of. Now from Revelation chapter 12 to Revelation chapter 22, there uh, the revelator, John, he specifically focuses the majority of his of his attention on those final end time movements that will usher in the coming of Jesus, that final worship war that began in heaven and will end up here on this earth. And so it's interesting that the book is divided up into those two sections. Now, furthermore, the book of Revelation, and we've talked about this a while ago, it's, um, it's put together in a form of a chiasm. Now, some of our listeners may be wondering, chiasm, what on earth is a chiasm? The simplest way that I can describe it is as a bullseye. Uh, right. Most most people would be familiar with a bullseye, where you know you've got you know you've got your circles um, on the bullseye, and you know starting with you know ten points, twenty points, thirty points, and the bullseye being, for example, a hundred points. And so you have you have a bullseye in the Book of Revelation in that. The first part of the book uh, equals the, the last part. 
And then you have the second part equaling the second last part and the third equaling the third last part, you know, as far as themes go. And the very heart of the book of Revelation is the three chapters, Revelation 12, 13 and 14. That's the very heart or the very bullseye, I should say, of the book of Revelation. And a chiasm is not something unique to the book of Revelation. Sure. You'll, you'll, you'll find chiasms all the way through Scripture. Yep. In fact, the story of the flood. I've been doing a sermon series mm. on Noah and the flood. And the story of the flood is in the form of a chiasm. Mm. And, um, and just out of interest, uh, the very heart of the story is... Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1 where it says, And God remembered Noah mm. and all the animals, and he ensured their safety in the ark. So that's the very heart Maybe of, I could, of the uh, book of... Oh, sorry, that's the very heart of the story of Noah. Mm. And that really is the very heart of the story of Revelation. God at the end of time remembers his people. Yes, that's right. Okay, the, the, another way I think we could remember a chiasm, Danny, is if you think of a mountain peak... Mm. Um, and, you know, at the base on one side, you have maybe uh, an idea, say idea A, and then you move up to a, idea B and idea C, and then D is at the top, and then you move down to idea C, B and A. So you have kind of a mirroring effect on both sides with that peak at the top. Yeah, that's that a great way of about. explaining it also. Yeah. Mm. So, okay, so Revelation 14 um, what you have is these three messages that are designed to go to all the world just before Jesus returns. Now, we, uh, we, you might wonder, well, well, how do you know that they're thus timed? Let's go to Matthew 28 to begin with. You might be saying, I thought we were going to the book of Revelation. Well, we are. But we just want to go to the final words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. Because we want to see what Jesus said the mission of the church was. And if we look at uh, Matthew chapter 28, we'll look at verse 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of, all, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so, you know, you... God is wanting us to, to go into all the world. Then if you go back a couple of chapters to that passage in Matthew 24 that we uh, covered some time ago now when we were talking about the signs of the times, and we kind of said that this was the final sign in many ways. This is the one that tells us what will happen just before the end comes. And in Matthew 24 verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So he's saying this good news, that's what the word gospel means, mm. this good news of the kingdom of God will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. So when we see the gospel going to all the world, we know that the end cannot be far away. That, that, that'll be the end times because it says when the gospel... Of, has gone to all the world, then the end will come. And we're living in the information age and the gospel is going to all the world at a rate and at a pace that we have not seen before since the, since the invention of the printing press. Yeah. That was, the, that was the, 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 the big idea or the big invention that transformed communication 500 years ago. And now we have the bookend to that, I believe, the, the internet. The internet. And uh, this is this is 
communication transformed for the second time in yeah. a way that we've Exponentially. never seen it. So, yeah, because, you know, it's hard for us to imagine, but when the uh, book of Revelation was written, when the Bible was written, it was designed to be spoken out loud because right. not everybody had a copy. And right. not everybody could read. And not everybody and could read yeah. and write. I mean, that, that's it. If you don't have access to books or writing materials, why would you need to read or write? Mm. Um, and so many people couldn't. But the idea was that the, the Bible would be read aloud to a crowd. And that way, that you know, when you, you, you read about Jesus going to the synagogue and he opens the scroll of Isaiah uh, to read, he's reading to a group of people. They don't all, all have a scroll in their hand. He is reading to them. And so then, of course, like you said, you come to uh, the 1450s. Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. A, uh, when they came to the year 2000, they were looking back over the millennium, the last thousand years. What was the most significant event? And it was the printing of the oh, Gutenberg absolutely. Bible. Absolutely. That was the Hands most significant down. event. Because of the, uh, not only because of the light that the Bible was able to shed on the lives of people, but because of the printing press and the mass distribution of literature at that time. Now, of course, as you mentioned, we're in the internet age and it's never been easier to send a message around the world. And so uh, when the gospel goes to all the world, then the end will come. We look at Revelation chapter 14. Well, you wanted to, you've sort of unpacked Revelation 12, 13 as much as you wanted to. Uh, well, I just simply wanted to say that the, the heart of Revelation, Revelation 12, 13 and 14, really follow, follow a sequence of events, um, God outlining history from the days of Christ all the way to the second coming. And there's a climax building all the way to chapter 14 and the end of chapter 14. And simply put, if I could just sort of sum it up in a few words for our listeners, when you read through Revelation chapter 12, and we've done this in the past, you discover it's the history of the Christian church. Yeah. from Christ all the way to the very end. And we find that the church of Christ at the end of time in Revelation twelve seventeen is described as those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And it says the dragon, who is the devil, he is angry with them and he mm. seeks to destroy them. Yeah. And then in chapter 13, which we've looked at over the last two or three weeks, we discover that the dragon raises up two allies. And that's just how he's always worked. The devil has always raised up allies, human systems, human powers, and he raises up two beasts. Uh, one, we've identified the first beast of Revelation 13, 1 to 10, as the, as the Roman church state or the Roman papacy, in particular in the Dark Ages. Mm. Um, and then he raises, and then the enemy utilizes the second beast, which is the United States as we have discovered it based on, based on scripture and the identification marks. And so these two powers uh, unite under the dragon's authority and, um, and influence in order to destroy God's com commandment, keeping people and those who have the testimony of Jesus. Mm. But then in Revelation 14, God has a response. Yes. God responds with a group of people, Revelation 14, 1 to 5, who uh, are pictured as the 144,000 who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Mm. They preach the three angels' messages, which yep. we're going to unpack in the coming weeks, and they prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus, which is Revelation 14, 14. 14 to verse 20 and that brings us to the end of that um, central uh, aspect of it, the book of Revelation yeah, that's a summary it, it brings us to a period we could call the close of probation that's in right. other words 
People have made, by the end of chapter 14, people have made their minds up because come chapter 15, you see the seven last plagues. That's right. Which lead to the second coming. The seven last plagues only fall on the wicked. They don't fall on the righteous. And so we can unpack that in another program. Yes. So in Revelation 14, I'm just going to read out verses 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. And um, we'll talk about what, what, it's, what it all means. In Revelation 14, verse 6, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. You know, this is, uh, if you like, a final warning message this is the first of three. We'll talk about the other two in future programs. But it's like God's final warning message. You know, I uh, sometimes have used this illustration before where in 2009, I, I was living in Victoria in 2009. And in February uh, 7, 2009, uh, the state of Victoria experienced some of the most devastating bushfires in its history. Now, we can think about last summer and think about some of the most devastating bushfires too. But in terms of lives lost, mm. there were 173 deaths in 2009, 414 persons injured, and some 2,100 homes destroyed. And uh, I remember I was living in Bendigo at the time when this occurred. But um, after the bushfires, it was recommended that in future bushfire seasons, a warning should be given by text message, hmm. the government got together with the uh, telcos and decided that they would put out a warning message by text message so that if there was a devastating fire in a particular region and you were in that area, you would get the warning text message. Hmm. Well, in 2012, bushfires were raging again in Victoria and I well remember some of the news reporting where there were some people in a rural town who were saying, we didn't get our text message, we didn't get our text message warning us of the fire to come. Mm, fascinating. And I thought about that in the context of the book of Revelation. God knows that this world is, uh, doesn't have long left. We, you know, the Bible talks about the last days. We are living in the last days, okay? And uh, we know that uh, God will bring an end to, to sin ultimately, he doesn't want to bring an end to sinners because we're sinners. He wants to save sinners, but he wants to bring an end to sin. And so he has sent a warning text message for us to heed so that we may escape that devastation. We're going to take a pause here. We'll come back. Uh, we're going to listen to more music. The Lesser Light Collective and the Little Horn takes the stage. Portray the nations as creatures So say the eschatology teachers Drama played out, narrated by preachers Now Many years after Nebuchadnezzar Prophecy came first year of Belshazzar Wind on the sea, then four predators Wow 
Welcome back to Faith FM and Looking Up. That was the uh, Lesser Light Collective, The Little Horn Takes the Stage. I've never heard that song before. Neither Danny. have I, but I was listening intently that was to every word. There were interesting lyrics in that song. I've that never heard that a, song before. That was a Bible study in a song. If I've ever heard one in on Bible song? prophecy, Indeed. that was just phenomenal. Very I'm, interesting. I'm going to find out about these guys. I think I wanna, you will. I want to listen to a lot more of their mm. music. That was just powerful. Okay. All right, before the break, we were looking at Revelation chapter 14, and we had uh, read out Revelation 14, 6 and 7, the first angel's message, and we had said that, in a way, the three angels' messages are God's last warning for the world. God knows that uh, this world is coming to an end, and God wants to warn the world Mm. so that the world might be saved. And there's nothing worse than facing a crisis unprepared. 
that is why, you know, that is why, like you said, you know, the text messages go out by the local authorities. And by the way, I got one of those text messages. No, when Did I was you? down in Melbourne. There you uh, go. While I'm living here on the central coast of Lake go. Macquarie, um, it was a particularly hot day. There were bushfires in the vicinity, and I received a text message uh, from the authorities. So I heard. I, I know the importance of that. And so, yeah, God God loves us, and yeah. that is why he warns us. He wants us that to know. He wants us to be prepared. Not to be scared, I say, but to be prepared Absolutely. is why God gives us warning. To be alert, not alarmed. Mm, I like and that so, too. So, I mean, the thing is, like you said, it is the most, in a crisis, the most loving thing to do is to give the appropriate warning. It would be unloving if God remained silent. Absolutely. You know, most of us have smoke alarms in our home. And maybe, I don't know about yours, but when the battery runs down, they give out this little annoying bip. And so, uh, you know, it gets so, so you take out the batteries. Uh, but do you replace them? You know, do you put new ones in? In other words, if the alarm was going off, would the solution be to take out the batteries? Or would the solution be to get out of the house? So, you know, most of us have smoke uh, fire alarms and really the three angels' messages are God's fire alarm. They are. They yep. are indeed. All right. So how would we uh, describe um, the mission of the church? Well, you know, God has given this warning so that we can escape something. And maybe we should start uh, looking at, Danny, um, what these various elements of the first message are. So we've said here, then I saw another angel. So let's pause there. An angel in this context is a heavenly messenger. In fact, the word angel in the Greek means messenger. And so what you have here is an angel flying. So this is a heavenly messenger and it is flying there's urgency. There's urgency. an urgency there. There's an urgency there. This is not, he's not strolling. No. He's not sitting. Or crawling. He's not sleeping. No. Right? The, I saw a, another angel sleeping in the midst of heaven. No. He is flying in the midst of heaven. He is moving fast. And I think there is an urgency. This and to I this think message. it's also very important to point out that in the midst of heaven is is Bible talk for this is a message that needs to go to the whole world. So right. when something's up there in the sky, yeah. it's for everyone to see. Yeah. And we're going to have that re-emphasized yeah, in just will. a moment, we anyway. Will. But you're right. It's uh, it, it's flying. It's moving through the heavens. You know, you might think of a fast bird or something like that. It is on the move. But it has a message. Uh, it's not simply flying around sightseeing. It, is, uh, it has a message. So it says, I saw another angel, a heavenly messenger, flying. There's an urgency there. It says, having the everlasting gospel. Now, what is the everlasting gospel, Danny? Well, as we have pointed out, the word gospel is the word good news. Yep. And often in ancient times, back in the times when John wrote, it was, um, it was a term that was used by the Romans when a runner would, would run to Rome to deliver the gospel or the good news that Rome had had another victory True. and okay. that Rome had expanded the empire and it, had, it was victorious. So mm -hmm. that was the good news. And so John here uses that language of victory and announcing victory and celebration to share the, the good news is that Jesus Christ, he has come. 
He's the promised Messiah that was promised to Adam and Eve some 6,000 years ago or 4,000 years from the time of John. And he came right on time and he died on the cross for the sins of each and every man, woman and child. And those that put their faith and trust in him, as John 3.16 says, they shall not perish but have everlasting life. Mm. So that's the good news yep. that Christ has died. Yep. He has provided the plan of salvation, the ultimate vaccine, yeah. and that his, his promise is those that put their faith and trust in me and receive my gift of salvation will receive me at the second coming when I come to usher mm. in a new world. And the good news is so that... So that the, that's the gospel. That's, that's the good the news of salvation. The, yeah, the gospel is good news and it's good news... What is what is the victory? What is the victory about? He has got victory over sin. That's right. And victory over the grave. You know, he he lived a perfect life, so he, he was victorious over sin, and he he died for our sins, but then rose again. He was victorious over the grave too. That's right. And so, uh, and Revelation that chapter is one, super duper good news. Yeah, Revelation chapter one brings it out. Jesus says to John, "Don't be afraid. You know, I have the keys of death." You know, and the grave. I have the keys. You don't need to be afraid. Where no is thy victory, O grave? Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful right there in the very first chapter yeah. of Revelation. Now, and I think the word everlasting, yeah. um, the word everlasting means just that um, in this context. It's the eternal good news about God and his love. So, you know, in the book of Jeremiah, um, God says, I have loved you. With an everlasting love, I have drawn you with my loving kindness. I think that's uh, Jeremiah 31 verse 3, somewhere there if I remember offhand. And so that same language is used, you know, this is the everlasting good news about God and his love. Yes, yeah, I would agree with that. I suppose when we talk about everlasting, this is uh, not something that only pertains to the cross. I just think that at the cross, God's character was more clearly revealed than perhaps it had been before. In other words, the good news is that God is not the kind of person his enemies have made him out to be. Okay, so this is, in many ways, it's about the character of God. What kind of person is God? The truth about God. The truth about God, that's what it is. Um, You know, what kind of person is God? We're told that he's the creator. We are told that he's the redeemer. We're told that he's the sustainer. He's the, the forgiver. He's the justifier, he's the advocate. Um, And the good news is, the good news about who God is, it's not only that God exists and that he is the creator, like it or not, you can like him. More than that, you can love him. He is worthy of our love and our worship. Um, You know, he's not a divine dictator. Uh, the, The truth about God, the truth about his character, is the good news. And that character was very powerfully revealed at the cross because God demonstrated that although he had said back in the Garden of Eden, you may remember when he was talking about the, the fruit of the, of the knowledge of good and evil because he knew that the devil would attempt to prize Adam and Eve away from God. They said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. God was not lying. Adam and Eve did end up dying. Not that day, but they did end up dying. Well, on that day, two animals died to well, create right. those um, the skins. skins. The skins for for Adam yeah. and Eve to have as yeah. coverings. They're, they're, they were covered, and so and what Jesus does on the cross is he says, "I'm going to demonstrate the wages of sin is death, but I'm going to die for mm. you. Mm. I'm going to die that you might live." And that powerfully demonstrated 
God's love for his creatures. Mm. We're effectively his children. It's not, um, it's not a coincidence that Jesus taught us how to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, because God is our Father. Uh, he created us, and his love for us is great enough for him to come to this earth in the person of Jesus and to die on the cross for us. That revealed that character of love that he has, not for good human beings, but for fallen sinners. Mm. And that's you know powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the fact that God would go to the lengths that he has gone to in order to save mankind demonstrates the love that God has for his creatures. It demonstrates something powerful about the character of God that without the cross we would not have seen. Yeah, like I said earlier, um, the the cross is the very centerpiece. You could say that's the the apex. Yep. That's that mountain top experience of yep. the gospel, uh, the good news about God and His love. Because before this, the devil had done a very good job, as he continues to do, to take the character of God, the truth about God and His love, His mercy, His justice, and and everything. That makes up the character. He he had he had dragged that through the through the dirt through the mud through yeah. the mud, yeah. and so uh, there were there were countless people that saw God as someone to be afraid of rather than someone to be a friend of, yeah. as um, Dwight Nelson once yeah. put it many years ago. And it's fascinating that when you take a look at verse seventeen of John chapter three that follows John three sixteen, and I want to read it here. These yeah. are the words of Jesus. He says. After he's given the that that all that that famous scripture about you know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and so forth, in verse seventeen Jesus says, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved." So this is the gospel. God doesn't want to condemn us. God wants to save us. Yeah. And so this idea of God up in heaven with a big stick waiting for any and every opportunity to give you a good whack on the head when you fall out of line. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth about God. That's the devil's lies about who God is. And um, and and God, through Jesus Christ and through the cross, demonstrated the truth about God. Mm. The big news is not that human beings commit sins. That's not big news. That's been going on for thousands of years. The big news is that God is willing to die for sinners to mm. save them. That's big news. And I think at the very heart of the gospel is that Jesus was willing to be lost forever, mm. that we mm. would be saved forever. He was willing to trade places with us. And that's and that's a thought that we can't even begin to comprehend. Yeah. Well, we'll have an eternity to comprehend that. So when we read here in Revelation 14, verse 6, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. That's the everlasting good news about who God is. Yeah. And what's to, what, what, is, what is he going to do with this everlasting gospel? It says, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, right? So the idea is this heavenly messenger, this angel, flying rapidly, urgently, wanting to take the everlasting good news about God, to preach, to declare, to proclaim... To the people who dwell on the earth. To every and, nation, and it tribe, says, tongue, and people. To every nation, tribe, tongue and people. That's a very important phrase right there. Because there are some people who think that God has his special friends. Like the Jews, for instance. Or 
maybe within the Jews, one of the tribes was more special than the others, like Judah, for instance. You know what I mean? And so some people imagine that God has favorites amongst the nations. Does God love you know, Christian nations more than he loves mm. non-Christian nations? Well, the Bible tells us here that God wants this everlasting good news to be preached to those who dwell on the earth. That, that's anybody living on planet Earth. Every nation, tribe, tongue, and people every basically nation, covers tribe, every single people. person on that's planet right. Earth. And really, the three angels' messages are, are the gospel that Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, which we read earlier, that needs to go to the whole world. They are the gospel in an end-time context. It's the same language that's used there, gospel, everlasting, and it needs to go to the whole world. So I think that's very significant. And it's all part of the same story that God loves people. God loves his children, essentially. He loves people. And I was just thinking when we were reading about that, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, uh, in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is preaching to the people of Athens, uh, it says he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. In other words, um, God is recognizing that we're all one family, right? If God is our father, then that means we're all brothers and sisters. And so God cares for all of the human family, not just some of them. And God wants this message to go to all the world so that all the world may have an opportunity to be saved. Um, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize the world is in trouble, big trouble. And Dire we need strength. a savior. We mm. need a savior. Indeed. You know, e even on the very basic level, we need a savior. And uh, Jesus has come as the savior of the world, the Bible tells us. Amen. So the gospel is all about God doing everything to save as many as are willing to be saved. That's right. Okay, so we've looked at the first uh, verse there in Revelation 14, 6. We're going to look at verse 7 in a moment. But before we do that, we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to hear. We're not going to sing. We're going to hear a song <laughs> yeah, from we're Malvinus, we're not going to sing. Spirit of the Living God. Thank you. 
That was Malvinus and Spirit of the Living God. And uh, I, I almost misspoke there, Danny, at the beginning of that uh, track and said, we're going to sing this song, oh. which uh, perish the thought. We're not going to be Our singing. Our listeners. But we're going to be hearing we'll be something. eternally grateful that we're not able to sing. We, we might lose a couple more listeners if we decided to sing. So, I think um, we'll lose our producer. <laughs> He'll bail out as well, Paul Liam. Thank you, Liam. You've done yeah, a great job. Yeah, we just want to say thank you to Liam, who's our producer. Oh, we, he doesn't amazing. get much of a mention on this show, and we have to say we couldn't do this without him, that's no, for sure. Well, I couldn't do it without you guys, so thank you. Uh, there you go, Liam. Thanks for, for, for chiming in there. We appreciate you very much. All right, we'll continue on our journey. We've been looking at uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 14, and we're looking at verse 6 and 7. We're looking at the first of three angels' messages that go to all the world just before Jesus returns. And uh, I'll just mention before we get into the next section, Danny, if people want to call us, make a comment, send in a question, they can do that. And you can contact us if you wish on one 324 843 is call one 324 843 Or you can text on 0491-064. Six six nine. That is oh four nine one, oh six four six six nine. Feel free to send us in a question or a comment, or give us a call. Okay, Danny. Um, so we're now going to move into uh, Revelation fourteen seven. I'll read verse six again. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Saying, now this is the message he's saying, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of waters. So let's unpack this message because uh, some people may think this sounds a little contradictory Mm. that we've been talking about the character of God. We've been talking about the love that God has for us. You mentioned before that God is someone to be a friend of, not someone to be afraid of. And here in chapter uh, 14, verse 7 of Revelation, it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. And we've got that, that phrase there, fear God. Before, They're the first words. The first, the first words, words out of the angel's mouth. Before we unpack that, I just want to mention where it says, saying with a loud voice. Mm, very important. That is a very important. Obviously, it says it's going out to all the world. The the message is to go to all the world. How loud would it have to be? So he's speaking, he's saying with a loud voice. Now, in the Greek, which is the original language for the book of Revelation, it is megalophone, which uh, sounds a lot like megaphone, which is where we get our uh, English phrase there. So it's saying with a megaphone. Okay, message to go to all the world. And then he opens up with these two words, fear God. How do we understand that phrase, fear God, in relation to the fact that we're saying that God loves everybody, he wants to save everybody, and in the context of Does God want us to be afraid of him? If not, what does this phrase mean? Mm. Well, it's interesting that you asked the question, does God want us to be afraid of him? Uh, At the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, 
The Bible says when God came looking for them, mm. He said, "Where are you?" Um, Adam, Adam and Eve were, of course, hiding from God, and they're like, "We were afraid." So the the fear of God is something that something that is brought about by sin. Mm-hmm. Sin brings about fear of God because what happens is the the picture, the true picture of God becomes distorted. Mm-hmm. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, the true picture of God, His character, His love became distorted because mm-hmm. now they were now they were infected by the virus of sin. Right. And um, and the one who is the father of sin is the devil and Satan. So now they were they were infected with His character traits. And so when we take a look at this word fear, we need to take a look at what the whole of Scripture has to say on this word. And um, there's a number of things that you may bring out, you know, as far as um, respect and honor Mm. and so on and so forth. And I know that um, once upon a time, once upon a time, if you would say, I I fear, you know, I I have a fear for my father. You know, say a hundred years ago, mm. um, that often was seen in a positive way that you have honor, mm. you respect your father mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But today, if you say, I fear my father, um, you know, it's a very different kettle of fish. Now, that word fear and in the context of scripture, it appears a number of times. I just want to share one scripture here, which I think really does encapsulate um, what that word means in its context yep. overall. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 12 and 13, and uh, this, is, this is how the scripture reads. What does the Lord your God require of you? And this is God speaking. Mm-hmm. But to fear the Lord your God. So there is that phrase, mm-hmm. to fear the Lord your God. Now, what does that mean? He goes on. God, God explains himself. That is to walk in all his ways and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you for your good. So to fear God is to love him. It's to serve him. It's to keep his commandments. It's to to love him with your whole heart, soul and strength. And that reminds us of the words of Jesus when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So really the essence of fearing God is to love God, to love our neighbor and to live in harmony with his law of love, his Ten Commandments, which is basically a summary of all of Scripture. Yeah, I like to. Thanks, Danny. I think there's some good stuff there. And we're going to actually unpack some of that in by reading some scriptures. And I think that that will be valuable to us as well. Um, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 1. It says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And it goes on and it makes some comparisons. It says, A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say about that is I think that uh, you've got to have context when you're talking about this word fear. Okay, what is the context of the passage? So, for instance, I want to take us to a passage in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 32. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Now, these are the words of Jesus. If you've got a red letter Bible, you'll notice these passages are in red. Luke twelve thirty-two. it says, Do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom all right so here's jesus instruction do not fear okay and many times we can read about this um you know we we can read about that fear not expression or do not be afraid do not be afraid 
All right, so that that appears often, and uh, Jesus often said it in his ministry, also. And so, but then on the other hand, it says that God's people have godly fear. Mm. So we, in fact, you know, let's look at some of these uh, other passages. So I'm just going to go to Matthew ten thirty one. Matthew ten thirty one says. Jesus is talking again. It says, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Okay, so there are a number of these passages where it says, do not fear. But I want to take you now to 2 Corinthians 7.11. Okay, notice what it says here. It says, for observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What cleansing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things. So it produced a fear of God. There was a, a godly fear there. Um, there's another verse, Hebrews 5, 7, I want to pick up, um, if I can just find that quickly. Yeah, it says, um, talking about Melchizedek, okay, says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Okay, so I think that the, the ha we have to have context. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Okay, and somebody has once said, and I think this is a wise saying, it says, he who fears the Lord need fear nothing else. He who fears not the Lord need fear everything else. Mm. Uh, in other words, we don't have to walk around in this. If we, if we know God as our friend, if we know God as our saviour, we don't have to walk around in this world fearful, mm. right? We don't even fear death as Christians because even if we should die, we believe in the resurrection, right? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. So, and this is this is the kind of faith that powered Christians in the early centuries. They weren't afraid to die if necessary. They went singing, yeah, to they, their death. They now don't get us wrong. We enjoy life, right? We enjoy life. We don't want to die, but if death should come, we should not fear death because we know there is a resurrection and an eternal life. So, I think when it talks about do not fear, I think. The Bible is saying to us, we don't have to live a fearful life. Mm. I think that that's really what it's saying. I think I also want to add, Peter, that uh, there there is a, a healthy aspect to fear. Mm. Now you think about it. Um, you know, you've 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 had a little boy in the yes. home, um, Daniel, and I've had two little girls in the home, and I remember sharing with them on many occasions. You know, don't do this. This is, this is not going to go very well for you if you touch the heater or if you do this or if sure. you do that. So, um, you know, I, I teach my children to be afraid of certain things, to be afraid of going over the edge or going too close to the edge because they will go over the edge in order to preserve their health and well-being, in order to enable them to enjoy the abundant life. I mean... You know, there, there are commercials on television um, continually warning us about texting while we're driving mm -hmm. um, or being distracted. There are there are commercials today regarding, you know, keeping your hands clean, social distancing, all the COVID-19 so stuff. And so forth. Um, not, not so that we would be in fear and trepidation, but to preserve us. So 
back to that scripture that, that I shared earlier in Deuteronomy, God is saying, I am giving you my laws of love. Um, and that's really what, what this holy fear is all about that, that we read of here. God is seeking to, to preserve and protect and enable us to enjoy the best possible life we can in the here and now. So that's, I think that's really fundamental to understanding what does it mean to fear God? It's for our best. It's for our, our good rather than, you know, for God's good. Yeah, I think too, um, you know, I've had conversations with people and when we come to this passage, fear God, they'll say, oh, that means reverence and respect. And I, I absolutely that's believe that's part of true. it indeed. That's part of it, right? Because if we don't have reverence and respect for God, what we do is we lower our conception of who God is. Okay, if we treat God as just a buddy or a pal and we don't give God the due reverence and respect that he deserves as God, then we make God into something less than he is. And the danger of that for us is that we can, uh, we need, as a human race, someone to look up to. We need higher ground. To we need us- a deliverer. We need a deliverer, but we also need higher ground to aspire to. God wants us to grow as people, right? He doesn't want us looking down at the mud. He wants us to look up at the stars. And so I think we, we need a God that we, we need to see a true picture of God. And if we have a false picture of God, a, a lower picture of God, you know, familiar, they say familiarity breeds contempt. Mm. If we make God so familiar that we make him just another buddy, another pal, and, you know, because we say God is our friend and he is. But we, we don't want to diminish who God is because we are the ones who suffer when we do that yeah. because it means we only will aim for being like that which we worship mm. right and so if we have a smaller than necessary expectation of who God is then we will not grow to the extent that God wants us to grow the bible says God created us in his image and not the other way around. But as you pointed out, we often seek to bring God into our image rather than his image. And we need a leader. Um, people look up to leaders. Uh, they, they hang on the words of leaders to lead and guide. And so that's who God is. He is our leader that leads us and guides us. There's, there's a passage here in uh, Romans where it talks about uh, them that fear not God. Um, it says there is no, this is uh, Romans 3.18, it says there is no fear of God before their eyes, talking about the wicked. And so this is an important concept for us to understand and something we'll continue with as we come back after this break. We're going to take another break for some music. Um, this is by The Lower Lights and it's just a closer walk with thee. We hope you enjoy the music. Yeah. 
welcome back to Faith FM for this afternoon's. Uh, is this the last segment? We're getting there. Not quite. Um, welcome back, and uh, we're going to be discussing once again that passage from Revelation that we've been looking at all all uh, afternoon. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host Danny Malenkov. And uh, if you have enjoyed today's show, or maybe you want to hear some of the previous shows that we have uh, produced, we would encourage you to just check out the website, faithfm.com.au, and go to podcasts, go to the podcast tab, look for Looking Up, and you'll find our uh, programs there, and you can uh, listen back to some of the shows that we've done already. So we were looking at the um, Book of Revelation, actually, did you? Are we going to look at the um, giveaway yet? Oh, we're going to do that at the end of the program. At the end I of the program. That as we open, maybe up, Liam's going to look into that for us. Indeed, yeah, Liam's going to look into that for us, and we'll have the perfect giveaway for today. So, so that's yeah, right we'll, at the end of the program. We'll give, uh, we'll give out our contact details again at the end of the program, so you can call in for that giveaway. All right. Well, we've been looking at the Book of Revelation. Uh, we were looking at Revelation chapter 14 and particularly verse 7 uh, where it says, uh, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. And we were unpacking a little bit. We were having a discussion about that phrase, fear God, because on the one hand, so many times the Bible says, tells us to fear not, do not be afraid. Um, and, you know, that we when you have God in your life, you do not have to fear certain things in the same way that you did before God was in your life. In, uh, in fact, even when it talks about uh, death, it says, you know, if, if, if those fall asleep in death, we do not have to sorrow as others who have no hope. Mm. Uh, likewise, we do not have to fear certain things as others who do not have God. Um, and I think that's what Jesus means when he says, do not be afraid. Um, but then, of course, you come across many passages that talk about fear God and we've suggested that this uh, is referencing the reverence, the respect that God not only deserves, but is healthy for us to give. Um, so, for instance, there's a couple of illustrations I like to, to use here. I enjoy the ocean. I enjoy uh, being in the ocean. I enjoy boats. And, but the ocean is a powerful, powerful place to be. And the ocean can... Uh, can be very dangerous if we do not give the ocean that level of respect. And many people have gone out into the ocean uh, with, without perhaps giving the, the ocean the level of respect that that power commands and uh, have gotten themselves into trouble. And so uh, that's one aspect. Um, another uh, example I sometimes use is electricity. We all benefit from electricity. It provides wonderful opportunities we're producing this radio program because of electricity today but uh electricity has to be we have to have a certain healthy level of respect mm. for electricity my my uh, uncle was an electrician and uh in his early days uh he told told me about a time when he was working on a powerpoint um and he believed that the power was off but the power was actually on and uh, he touched a live wire and it threw him clear across the room. Mm. Um, so uh, he recovered from that, but uh, he didn't forget very quickly uh, the power 
of that electricity and he, he, he treated electricity with a great deal of respect thereafter. And uh, I just think when it comes to God, when it says fear God, we need to give God reverence and respect and recognize that we are dealing with the most powerful force in the universe here. I think we need to take God seriously. Yes. Uh, you know, these are serious messages. Yeah. God's final three messages of love. And we've talked about them known as the three angels' messages. And this is not to be, not to be trifled with. Um, this is very, very serious. There is nothing more serious, nothing more important. And so uh, fear God. I think God's saying, hey, sit up, pay attention. This is very important. This is, there, there's nothing more important. Take this message seriously. Mm, yeah, I think that's, that's the, uh, the way that it's meant to be taken. We've talked about the fact that this is God's fire alarm message, right? He's, he's warning. Uh, I've mentioned before, you know, when you go past those, um, um, the fire danger signs where you, you know, it tells you what the fire conditions are uh, currently. And of course, we're in winter here at the moment and therefore the fire danger is low but one of the uh the words on that board is catastrophic and when the needle points to catastrophic you better turn around and go the other way Mm. because it's not mincing its words it's a strong and powerful warning because it knows when when that that word is used uh they're saying that the danger is great so it uses the strongest language. And so what God is doing in these messages is saying, take it seriously, as you've said. You know, it was, uh, it's been quite popular. Sometimes you'll see on T-shirts the words, no fear. Mm. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I guess we uh, have been young men once, Danny. Once you still time. look like a young man, but yeah. uh, I'm starting to age. Obviously, your eyesight's not very good. <laughs> your eyesight's but, failing. <laughs> but when we were late teens, early 20s, mm. we thought we were bulletproof mm. and we had That's no true. fear. That's and, we, true. you know, you might uh, take certain risks at that time. And what a great time to be alive it is in those uh, early years. But, you know, sometimes people take risks and they believe they're bulletproof and, they you know, they turn out uh, not to be. Mm. Well, I experienced... Um, uh, the the wrong end of the stick when it comes to that. I took up mountain biking about well, seven, six, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I was introduced to it. I'd never done it before, and so I'm I'm starting out on mountain biking in my early forties. Okay. And I thought, and I looked at some of the young guys, you know, some of these young guns scooting around the track. And if anyone's done any mountain biking, you know what I'm talking about. It's um, yeah, there's there's rocks and there's dips and there's all sorts of stuff. To, to navigate so I thought oh yeah I'll keep up with these guys or, or try and I didn't do too well um, but since then I have I have been a lot more respectful of of the track I've had a healthy, I've had a healthy fear and I do well and I enjoy it but I I totally respect because I want to enjoy the ride. I don't want to have any broken bones. I don't want to end up in A&E. You don't want it to come to an end in a hurry. <laughs> exactly right. So I think that's um, that's really important. And that's, you know, the fear of God and his commandments um, in Ecclesiastes, they are the final words of Solomon. Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. chapter 12, I think it's verses 13 and 14. He says, you know, and this is the conclusion of the matter. Um, there's only one thing that matters is to fear God and to keep his commandments for this is man's all. So, you know, God's law of love that he that he wrote with his own hand on tablets of stone um, was God's method and God's way to help the human race understand how they could enjoy the best possible life in the here and now. 
Yeah, God always has our best interests at heart. Indeed. And, you know, sometimes I think when we don't have that healthy respect and reverence for God, when we don't have any fear of God in this context, then we can become a little bit casual in our approach to God. And, you know, there are some people who believe that we can bring anything to God and he'll accept it Mm. because it doesn't really matter. Um, And one of the earliest stories in the Bible, the, the story of Cain and Abel, really tells me that that's that's not how God operates. You look at the story of Cain and Abel, both of them came to worship, both of them brought an offering to God. But the Bible says that God respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering. Because Abel had respect for God. Because Abel had respect for God, and and Abel knew what God required, and that's what he brought. And so I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. We have to be... I think it's all about the heart from my perspective. Mm. We talked before about the everlasting gospel and how the cross reveals God's great love for the world. And it revealed an element of God's character that maybe the onlooking universe had not seen before, the lengths to which God was willing to go to save lost humanity. And so we see the character of God and his love for us demonstrated there. What God is looking for is a response. And he has said to us, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we'll, you know, unpack that a little bit later as well in the series. But um, God wants to know, do we love him? You know, initially, perhaps the question was, does God love us? Does God love me? I'm sure that there are many people listening to this program, perhaps, who are wondering, could God love me after all I've done, after everything I've done, after all the places I've been? After I've been away from God so long, uh, you know, knowing about him but but keeping him at arm's length or running away from him, could God still love me? And the answer unequivocally to that is yes, God loves you. God loves people and he died to save them. And so um, we might have that question, does God, does God love me? And God has answered that question that yes, he loves people. The question for us is, do we love God? You know, do we love God? And if we do, we're going to treat him with reverence and respect because he's God after all. He's not some uh, official who lives down the road or he's not, you know, your church pastor. He's he's God. He's the creator. Understanding the fear of God, as you pointed out, Peter, is really based on a relationship with God. When you have a healthy relationship with God, you you understand that to fear God is to, yes, reverence him, to respect him, uh, to love him. But you understand that in doing so, you are receiving the blessings from God that he wants to pour out on your life as you live in harmony with his will and as you follow his GPS. And so to, to fear God is really to put your faith and trust in him, to allow him to lead and to guide your life, and then to experience the blessings that come from that. And uh, Adam and Eve, at the very beginning, you mentioned Cain and Abel. Mm. If we go one, you know, if we go one chapter one back. One generation back. Yeah. Uh, God, God said to Adam and Eve, you know, enjoy all the fruit on all the trees in the garden except this one. Mm. And um, so God wanted 
to preserve protect and protect and he wanted them to live forever and ever and ever but having that tree in the garden enabled enabled Adam and Eve to showcase and to show forth their loyalty because love and loyalty and the fear of God that all goes together yeah it does i want to, <clears throat> i want to share a few verses Danny don't excuse me i'm almost choking here i'm going to have to get some water um why don't you look up and um, maybe share Proverbs 9, verse 10. I want to look up at some of the verses that tell us something about the fear of the Lord. Well, is that Proverbs chapter 9 mm-hmm. and verse 10? 10, once I've swallowed my mouthful of water. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay, so here, what we find in Proverbs, and we're going to look at a couple of others as well. So here you have uh, a definition, if you like, of the fear of the Lord. We, we might say, what is the fear of the Lord? How can, we have, how can we fear God? And the Bible actually gives us instruction in the Bible as how we can fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So here it's telling us uh, you know, that when we have the right attitude, the right relationship with God, then we will become wiser. Uh, and I think that that's true. Here's another one. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's an interesting mm. comparison as well, uh, talking about the fear of the Lord. Here's another one in 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I particularly like this one because I think this is where God wants us to get to. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. And it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So I think that helps us when we're thinking about how do we fear God. All right, we're going to go for another little break and then we're going to come back and wrap up. So we're going to listen to Manuel Escorcio and Heaven Bound Soldier. Enjoy the music. Hold out your light, you heaven-bound soldier Let your light shine around the world Hold out your light, you heaven-bound soldier Hold out your light, you heaven-bound soldier Hold out your light, you heaven-bound soldier Let your light shine around the world Oh, Deacon, can't you hold out your light? Oh, Deacon, can't you hold out Hey! 
Welcome back. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on Faith FM and our afternoon show on a Wednesday afternoon called Looking Up. I've enjoyed chatting with you, Danny Milenkoff, today, and uh, I'm glad to have had you here in the studio. Now, we do have a free giveaway for today's program. Danny, what is that? It's a fantastic book. It's called Visions and Dreams, subtitle. A fresh look at Daniel and Revelation. So that's what we've been talking about today and over the last number of weeks. And if you would like to get a hold of this book by uh, Dr. Jack Blanco, you need to call 1 800 324 843 or text 0491064669. The first person in receives that book. All right, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. I know that I have. Uh Always enjoyed studying the books of Daniel and Revelation, the fascinating prophecies, some of which we are touching on in this series, and we hope that you've enjoyed that. Once again, if you have enjoyed today's program, shortly you will be able to uh, hear it on podcast, and it will be on the website faithfm.com.au. Go to the podcast tab and look out for looking up and uh Apart from that, we're very pleased that you've joined us today. Thank you so much for joining us for our afternoon program. I've enjoyed talking with you, Danny. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We hope to see you or hear you or you hear us again next week. But until then, continue to keep looking up. 